Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. favorite show is over but we're just getting started over here at post show recaps hello my friends it is i dm philly rich filiberto out here on the internet and you are back for another psrpgs we're gonna do a little preview show this week for our next project and so joining me is the one and only grace leader grace how are you i'm good rich uh don't think i've been infected so i think we're good to go yeah is very good because we're going to play some last of us and i need you to not freak out and try to eat me at the table okay cool i'll try my best yeah um so grace you've obviously like been covering the show all season mm-hmm. i'm watching along as we are recording this we're pretty close to the end of season one though it has not wrapped up yet uh and i just wanted to pick your brain about pretty early on you threw this out there it's like this would be great for psrpgs i think you should mm-hmm. really do this i have not played the video game but what about the show makes it like appealing to you for this kind of thing so I think that the thing about The Last of Us is it's it does some very good world building. Obviously, the video game and the show are very Joel and Ellie focused, but you tr- you know you travel across the country and you stop in at all these places and you see how they've all been you know affected by this cordyceps outbreak. And you know uh, I think in the sh- in the show uh, we'll not give spoilers, but we, we you know we meet one that's like you know. Uh, completely government like fascist rule one that has recently been like overtaken by fascists and one that's like uh uh literally a commune uh, mm-hmm. the joke is like you know i'm not a communist like yeah you live the dude you live on a commune so <laughs> all of these ways in which like society has like rebuilt itself from um from like sort of like a post-apocalyptic a post-cordyceps infection world i think becomes very fun there's all these like faction right so you have fedra and the fireflies and all these groups that i think uh you get i think like for me i got very excited about like okay yeah like where can you play in this thing and and it's like it's our world but it's also not our world right like we're not living in this like post-apocalyptic world so the idea of like playing in that i think could be very fun yeah, you and I have talked about this a lot. Dungeons and Dragons, obviously, traditionally set in a kind of like medieval fantasy analog. Mm-hmm. And so you do not have all the kind of contemporary accoutrements of modern living. And it's a world dissimilar from our own. Uh, the connective tissue here is that it's a thing that like isn't necessarily obvious at first glance, but a lot of Dungeons and Dragons is happening in post-apocalyptic worlds and worlds that once right. had a great civilization that has fallen. And so you're off searching these ancient ruins and stuff. But it's such 
such a different structural kind of beast, uh, both from like the narrative and the thematics to a post-apocalyptic earth, which is a really kind of fun environment to dive into and all the kind of like uh, political tensions there and getting to play with the kind of humor that we saw in some of the episodes of like mm -hmm. people that are born after the change and don't know the, the kind of um, modern anachronisms of, of life in the 21st century. It can be a really fun, like uh, angle of approach to come into a role playing game. And so to that end, uh, we did our Willow special. We played Dungeons and Dragons. That was a perfect fit hand and glove. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, as we talked about this, I said, I have the game for this. Part of my excitement for the show is getting to explore some other tabletop role playing games because there are a lot. And while Dungeons and Dragons is the Coca-Cola brand at the top of the shelf, there are a lot of cool systems out there to explore. And so I'm going to take us for a run through Apocalypse World. I've talked to you a bit about it, but have mm -hmm. you heard anything about it other than from me, Grace? No. Well, so I listened to um, uh, the Adventure Zone did, I believe, a whole... Um, I don't know if it's Apocalypse World. Is is there something with Apocalypse World where there, there are spinoffs of Apocalypse World? Yes. I believe what a... they played as Monster of the Week. Yep. So this is a great point. Apocalypse World is a game. It was developed by a guy named Vincent Baker back in 2010. It won a bunch of awards in 2010, 2011 for like RPG game of the year. And, and what happened is it's a really rules light game. It's, it's story for first narrative systems, right? Um, it, it's a very uh, ambiguous in the in the mechanics the rules are not like dnd that say you can move 30 feet uh they say things like you can you can move a short distance right so it became instantly kind of portable you could take it strip it down pull the whole post-apocalyptic setting out of it and play a fantasy game in there if you wanted or you could play a magic school game or you could right. play a weird kids in indiana game and so uh vincent baker left the game license open and mm -hmm. there are a ton of powered by the apocalypse games they're called they use the same base rules but they're really really different games right so yes i've i've listened to a whole series uh run via the monster of the week rule setting um powered by the apocalypse but i have not i actually don't think rich i'm trying to just think through and make sure i'm not missing something i actually don't think i've ever played a tabletop role-playing game that's not Dungeons and Dragons. I actually, I, I actually don't think that's... a Fantasy Flight Star Wars game. That oh, was yeah, okay. Just before Obi-Wan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it was a crash course. We only played yeah. one session, and we, we didn't do, like, character you, creation. It, and you you rolled our you rolled our dice uh, as you know our die as well so you know uh, yeah but so I'm very excited I you know I this is a thing that I think happens with people when you when you play and especially if you have someone in your group like you Rich mm -hmm. when people are like you know what I hate I hate this rule in D and D and you're like you know what there's a lot of other games out there <laughs> you're like mm -hmm. you could you could just play one of the other ones or as I've uh, am one to do be like yeah you don't have to play by the rules of D and D you could also change a lot of the rules uh, in your own home game you know um, but but uh, an apocalypse world has always been one that I would be very excited to play. So I'm very excited that we are going to get to play some apocalypse world in I'm an like apocalypse a world. Yeah, yeah, in no, it's true. World. I'm like yeah. a missionary. I'm out here. I got a job. I'm spreading the good word, mm -hmm. just trying to convert people. You know, I yeah. love Dungeons and Dragons, but um, you know, if you eat your favorite food every day for 30 years, you probably might want to try number two on the list. Maybe. Right? 
Maybe. Uh, so, so some of the differences I wanted to talk about, this whole idea of the mechanics and why it became such a portable game. We, we don't use all the crazy dice that we use in Dungeons and Dragons. When we played that Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, that's almost the opposite of D&D, where right. it's, they, they go for a very different system, but they just make the dice so crazy, they don't even use numbers. They just put symbols on them and are like, let's make this as kind of weird and, and uh, like complex as possible. You're looking yeah. at a ton of charts arts and systems and references and i guess that makes sense in like a, a, a space opera sci-fi kind of setting sure apocalypse world grace we just use two six-sided yeah. all the dice that you roll you're rolling 2d6 and you're looking for a number basically between two and potentially uh like 13 or 15 because you're going to add plus two plus three sometimes so all of the dice rolling you're looking for basically there's like these three buckets of uh less or six or less means you have failed at what you are trying to do seven to nine means you have succeeded but with a compromise, you don't quite get everything that you wanted. Uh, and a 10 plus is a great success. You get exactly what you want. Awesome. Right. And this is it. That's it. That's the whole base kind of mechanics. All the dice are 2d6 plus or minus. And the other neat thing is that I, they don't call it a dungeon master. I am the master of ceremonies in a game. of apocalypse. Oh, so it fancy. Is. I know they like that. Vincent talks about how it's a ceremony. It's, it's a modern ceremony. When we sit down with our friends to play role-playing games, we go through the whole ritual of getting together. How was your week? Let's talk about work. Let me complain about my in-laws. Okay. Snack food and let us pray. And the dice mm -hmm. come out. Right. So that whole notion is really fun, but I rolled no dice grace. The players wow. roll all the dice. Big change, big change. Uh, I feel like between a, a dungeon master and D and D, and then uh, you know being the master of ceremonies, um, that you're not going to roll any dice. I think it's very fun. I think it's very interesting. I think one of the things that was like really intriguing to me from a dice system is, you know, obviously there still is this like, okay, roll below a six and you fail, mm -hmm. but this like the compromise thing to me is so interesting because mm -hmm. there's a way in which like, you know, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, it's often set on this idea of like, what's the DC, right? You know, meet it, beat it below you fail. And I, I was actually reading through a tweet thread today that was talking about, you know, these like combat uh, rounds where like, it just is like, Miss, miss, miss. There I say, miss, Grace, miss. it's a binary. Hit, miss, hit, binary. miss, hit, miss. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea that, like, even if, like, you know, there is, like, a complete success and a complete failure, this piece is really intriguing to me, and which, obviously, they've probably mathematically, you know, made sure is, like, mm -hmm. probably the most common thing to, I mean, you, you get these modifiers, so maybe, I don't know if that math is correct, where, like, you know, you, you can really, and am I misremembering this, that sometimes there's ways in which with the compromise, I, I don't know if this is like your story, but like, I, I think in the adventure zone, like sometimes I believe it was Griffin who was, who was the MC would be like, okay, what is that compromise? And it kind of was mm -hmm. like on the player to like think through, okay, if, if I didn't get a complete success, then what is the thing that went wrong in the scenario to almost like set you up uh, to set the, the, the person who's also playing the game, I think, uh, uh, as the master of ceremonies of like, okay, how do I also set you up? Like in this, like we're telling a story together, right? Like it's, it's not about winning. And I do think there's sometimes a way in which like D and D could feel like you're trying to win. Uh, you want to get this, you want to beat the DC uh, that I think I'll be very interested to see how this plays out in terms of that, that middle ground of like, um, 
uh, a compromise. Uh, you are spot on. The, the players are very empowered. The idea of what is a narrative first game? What is a story first game? Um, Dungeons and Dragons, lest we forget, my friends, it's a 50-year-old game at this point. It comes from the hobby of wargaming, and it is based on these very, uh, like, you know, not necessarily rigorously tested mathematics, right? The D20, as game systems go, is a game of high variance. Every time you throw that die, you might roll one. Uh, there's this 5% increments. So when you get into, like, deep math, the 2d6 system it, it's much less kind of spiky it's on it's less on the edges of the bell curve right um so so that being said when you do come to these compromises it is about a conversation and the player can offer up the compromise and it is that idea of like what do you master of ceremonies need to drive this forward what pushes the story forward in an interesting way um in a way that DD does not account for in the rules as written Right. Um, so it's really a fundamentally different exercise. One of the suggestions, it's not even a suggestion, it's an explicit rule in the books. They say, hey, master ceremonies, don't prep anything until you sit down and talk to your players and have a session zero. And you're kind of all discovering the apocalypse together as you work. Now, uh, uh, along the other comparisons between Apocalypse World and D&D, Grace. D&D, I would say, is a game of accumulation. I don't know if you think this is fair, but you make a character, you go out on an adventure, mm -hmm. ostensibly, you earn experience points. I know a lot of people don't play with XP anymore, but yeah. you go on the adventure, you earn experience points, you find magical items, you find gold, you come back, you level up, you get more powers, you have more money, you have more stuff. Over time, you expect your character to like accumulate more and to grow in a kind of vertical system. Is that a fair take? Totally fair. Yeah. I think hundred percent. Right. like you're people, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these who is like, all right, I know what, exactly what path I'm taking for when I get to like level nine. Like I, I very much mm -hmm. like play as I'm going normally, but I know there are a lot of people who play this way of like, all right, I'm going to be take this at level four. I take this feat. So then at like level eight, I can take, you know, I can take this ASI, you know, and like you're accumulating like the power of your character you know yep. and it's uh, that's sort of the fun too of the of the game of dnd is that like yeah the the harder monsters come you know you're not ready to fight them yet and you will be you will be later um but that would be uh very untraditional for say a tv show i think you know? exactly that yeah. this is a huge like alignment issue between um pun intended between new players and the game system itself you come in and all of a sudden you want to make robin hood or wolverine or katniss everdeen or whatever it is and and dnd is not mechanically supporting that because your first level character is like a little squishy squib can and, i vent about the the epic backstory of the level one character yes <laughs> Please. <laughs> Tell like, me how what's you your character's it? backstory? It's like, well, I defeated a whole goblin horde. Uh, you know, uh, like I uh, killed thousands of them. You know, skeleton, fend off, save my family uh, uh, from a, from from a dragon, actually. Uh, and yeah, so I'm a level one fighter with nine hit points, you know, it's a really interesting dynamic and it doesn't align with a lot of expectations for modern players, right? Fifth edition D and D is very heroic fantasy. You have more to start with than you ever did before, but it's fundamentally, uh, in, in game mechanics, it is a game of vertical progression. Uh, even if you don't plan your story, the, the difference between the character at first level and ninth is hit points and spell modifiers and mm -hmm. extra memorization and all this stuff that yep. you've gotten. So Apocalypse World is fundamentally different. 
Grace, most games of Apocalypse World, you will have the most you ever had at the very first second of the very first session. And uh, it is a game for the lovers of chaos, those who like the effects of entropy, because ultimately this apocalyptic world is beset upon you on all sides. It is an unrelenting kind of pressure to attack everything that you hold dear and count precious to you. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, over the course of play, a fundamental rule of Apocalypse World is play to see what happens. Uh, it's a big like kind of reminder that they give to the MC of like, don't impose your story upon these players. Play to see what happens. So to that degree... It's a game where you end up losing a lot. Your character loses, and it has to be that kind of fun where kind of the turmoil and the trauma and the conflict of the story that we're telling is the fun, not the success of your character. That does sound a lot like The Last of Us. I got to say <laughs> the trauma, the trauma of the, uh, yeah, is, is what is fun. Yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. Feels I mean, appropriate. Yeah. it's very interesting. I mean, you said you didn't play the video game. This has not really been reflected, you know, into the TV show. And I don't think that it, that it should be. But the video game is very, um, is very loot and resource collecting uh mm -hmm. driven um you like create these shivs but you need like certain part like you need to find like whatever to be able duct to make tape, that thing right and yeah. yeah inductive and then when you or like yeah to put together like you know your medical supply you use it and it's gone you got to keep scrounging uh uh to do it and so, but like ammunition is the thing that i find like uh, mm -hmm. uh is the thing that often is sort of the key of like Oh my god! Yeah, the good gun that I had, I have no more ammo left for that. So I'm actually just stuck with a knife, and now I gotta like sneak around and like stealth uh, my way through this. So I can see how that will translate well into the apocalypse world. It's not really something that's been super, um, you know. It, I don't think it makes sense in a TV show. Like it doesn't. We don't need to do that as much. But it's a big part of the video game. It's like your resource management and 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 not running out and not like wasting your supplies. Essentially, um, you kind of wait for the right moment to use your medical kit. You you uh, you choose when to you know set off your gun. Not only because you only have so many, but also because like you might draw more infected and that creates more danger. So I think there's a really interesting like comparison. Actually, kind of like skipping over the TV show between the video game and then Apocalypse World. Yeah, that tracks. I've not played The Last of Us, but I've played so many other kind of uh, survival simulators like that that don't necessarily have the story chops of, of The Last of Us. But um, I know that life of, oh, my God, one more of my kingdom for one more roll of duct tape. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's really interesting. The, the game doesn't map perfectly onto The Last of Us. There's a couple of elements that are, first of all, it's a very adult-themed game. Uh, there's literally mechanisms in here. Uh, the show, I would say, seems primarily to be focused about relationships, right? Yeah. It's very much about the relationships between two people and and so i know i'm going all over the place i'm talking myself to a point my friends mm -hmm. but the idea here is that relationships are fundamentally important to the characters in apocalypse world one of the stats you have is your relationship indicator with the other players in the group and there's a really interesting dynamic where it's not a binary system uh because we don't necessarily always love those wherein you might know somebody really really well because you've paid attention to them or you understand their idiosyncrasies you know somebody that they remind you of that they're just like but they don't know you at all right mm. so there's all these like different kind of um non-mirrored relationship indicators for one another that come into play when you try to help each other 
or when you try to hinder each other. Like if you know your friend very well, then you're probably better at helping them succeed than somebody that they don't know at all. But you're also better at preventing them from success if you want. Uh, there's a lot of systems in Apocalypse World for the players to impact one another positively and negatively in a way that D&D doesn't have. And then it even goes to a degree where there's literal like, like moves that the characters can utilize when they're intimate with one another. When you like develop an intimate relationship with somebody else, your, your relationship changes. And there's literal systems for that in this game. Now, we're going to not deal with any of that. Immediately, like, I'm carving that out. I don't need that for this exercise, right? But I want to, like, address it and acknowledge it, because for folks who know the game, it can be an important part of it. It's certainly a little uh, controversial and taboo, dare I say, mm -hmm. but um, it, it's an interesting mechanism that they're thinking about interpersonal relationships to that degree that they new like numerically statify it and make it part of your character sheet which is very very cool yeah that's so interesting yeah um yeah. Yeah. Um, the other part that doesn't necessarily map up is that in the apocalypse world, they presume like the apocalypse world happened. The apocalypse happened so long ago. Nobody even remembers. Somebody might have been alive then, but who knows? And so we're very much not playing in that space. But they deal with this element of psychic weirdness, Grace. There's all these kind of references right. to the psychic maelstrom. Psychic powers, not a big deal in The Last of Us. We are not concerned no. with psychic powers. No. So we're just going to like cut that as well and drop it right on the floor. Uh, there's like one stat and a couple of characters character classes that it deals with it's not quite as like impactful as saying let's play dungeons and dragons but no magic mm -hmm. like that would be a very different game so i think we can get away with that but other than that the rest of it dovetails really well uh and i, I think it's going to be a good fit for us yeah i mean i th i think um you know you talked about this being a story driven game and i do think like that is the thing like more so than you know resource management or fighting off infected or fight you know and actually what's interesting you know compared D, &D to me is such a combat heavy game when you, you're yes. the way you build your character is about how they how they fight and do battle um you know m perhaps more than anything else even if like you could argue that like yeah you put your charisma score uh high and you can persuade or whatever but it's so combat focused and like so many of the rules are combat focused it's funny the last of us the video game super combat heavy um like i keep saying on these podcasts that like there's like whole scenes that are cut out which are essentially like oh yeah we've been overrun by infected you got to kill like <laughs> 50 infected and the way that like it's been very interesting in the show that like when somebody dies it's much more impactful i think because like you kill a lot of people in the video game you're constantly fighting off bandits and things like that. So you're like senselessly killing people all the time. Uh, they've really removed that actually from um, uh, the show in a, in a way that I think it's smarter because yeah, it'd be really hard to just watch like Pedro Pascal kill like 50 people uh, like in a row. You know, we don't need, we don't need that. And then when there is like a, a, a moment of conflict, it's, it's much more tense. Um, and there's a way in which like, singular people and singular infected become much more dangerous in this yeah. in, in in the world of the last of us than they are in the video game like the, the fact that a singular infected could bite you and then you're infected uh feels much more like almost realistic than like the like like the swarms of of infected that we might see like in something like the walking dead but all that to say that like i think it would be interesting for me to switch from like very like story focused even the way you're talking about like the way that they've codified relationships even if we're not going to use that in a game that at least made that as part of their decision making because i think what i take the most away from the last of us is the story uh and really fundamentally it's about these two people and their relationship with each other 
and sort of how they find each other. And every every offshoot story that we've seen in The Last of Us, I'm not going to spoil anything in case people haven't watched it, but all the offshoot stories play into and support like this idea of like the power of love in like yep. a, a like a, a world that has like you know so the structure of society is gone and so um and it even plays into like the main strife like it does really support this like the joel and ellie um of it all so i'm excited to see how we try to like interweave that story uh uh in this in this game um should be fun yeah. You know, as, as a newcomer to the franchise, I'm watching it all for the first time and the relationships, that theme of humans as social creatures and our emotional tethers and our connections to other people, love brings out the best in us, the worst in us. It's brilliant. And it's it's precisely the kind of theme you want to explore with the game of Apocalypse World, right? Um, what, we'll use the relationship mechanics. I don't think that we need the intimacy mechanics necessarily, no. but it, I'm really excited to kind of see how it goes because even just reflecting on the Willow game, game that we played no spoilers but the interpersonal dynamic between like you and marissa and taylor was just so fun mm -hmm. like that's one of the great joys for me as a professional dungeon master storyteller master of ceremonies whatever you want to call me to to get to watch groups of players fall into their characters and and develop those relationships that are contentious and powerful and challenging and all of it uh it's great and just on the note of like yeah. the, the change from game to screen um you know as like a bird and game designer it's a real question of how do you mechanize conflict in a game without using violence uh violence right. is like such a, a kind of lowest like kind of hanging fruit for us to grab at when we're building these things and it's certainly the bread and butter of dungeons and dragons don't be fooled uh 85 of the rules are about combat when i say 85 i mean yeah. 95 can I ask you a question? I think one thing that I'm very interested as we're sitting and chatting about this, and we have not really done like, you know, character creation and we haven't chatted with the other people. There is this thing that I think is, you know, because I remember you saying this when you built the social contract for the poster recaps discord game. And part of this is like the thing that stuck with me the most about um, when sometimes people create very like you know there is, I, I get the tendency to like lean towards if in your life we have to live by society's rules and now i get to play in a game where there there are rules but i can be whoever i want to be mm -hmm. and people tend to lean into you know well see the rogue who uh pickpockets from the party right yep. or like would you know and it, it inherently creates this conflict and part of the design of D, &D is for the most part yeah this is the adventuring party mm -hmm. we're gonna we're a group of people who go to an inn we all you know we either stay in the same room or get some you know whatever we go we camp out in a cave and we, we hang out together all the friggin time mm -hmm. and there's this idea that you put in my head of like if you play a character who other people get annoyed by in a world where you can do anything part of the thing that somebody could do is say i'm not adventuring with you anymore yes <laughs> and yeah, i'm yeah. going to leave I will. I am going to go to the next village over. I'm not doing that. And like, that's not like the social part of like, do you, like you want to like, yeah, now, now what are you going to like permanently split the party? Like, no, mm -hmm. thanks. You know? Um, but it was just, it's a really good, I think, reminder in terms of like how to build a character that like, yeah, maybe if you start off that way, but you really want to be quick about like, okay, maybe I actually do love these people I hang out with all the time. And I like, am willing to, do, you know, fight to the death <laughs> with them. But then I think about, apocalypse world and in a, mm -hmm. a world where it's talking about like limited resources and, and i like it's you know it's not very long into D, &D that pretty much all the time you're just swimming in gold uh like you yep. have to have a pretty ruthless dungeon master to not have like enough gold to like don't let my do whatever you want you. 
Well, yeah. I'm so sorry. But um, <laughs> to, to your clients. Uh, but in this, in a game, you're talking about resources and there's so much of the conflict. Like Joel as a character is this like closed off individual. And that totally makes sense in the environment that he uh, lives in. Uh, I won't spoil, but there's an inciting incident at the beginning of Last of Us that obviously would tell you why this man would be entirely closed off from forming any sort of human connection. Um, and even the human connection he does have, it's like, it almost like, you know, there was a joke about whether he, his partner is his partner or not you know because they're so like it they, they they're not like warm and fuzzy and so i'm wondering how you're thinking about approaching this as the master of ceremonies in a game that is set in the apocalypse world and coming from a game that almost it is about a relationship but also like part of the thing of the show is not that we all love each other at the like in the last they don't love each other at the beginning they're no, very they skeptical of each other you're worried mm -hmm. that that person might be might have been bit or that they'll betray you to like steal your gun or steal whatever so i'm, I'm intrigued to think about like how you're thinking about that in sort of a you know especially like in the way that D, D is not tv i'm actually like i have so many questions now that I'm, i want to talk to you about about the dungeons and dragons movie uh, like what level are they going to start at i, I know, hope they I'm start really at level one you know <laughs> And they just said, well, I'm out of spell slots. You know? <laughs> you know? yeah. but, um, alas, I'm wondering how you're thinking about that. And again, this is like more story driven. And therefore, like, I imagine like conflict, as you're saying, conflict is such an innate way of thinking. But but in D&D, &D, we like the, the way the game is designed is like we're a party together and how you're right. like managing that. Like, yeah, there's probably going to be an element like no spoil. I don't know what's coming, but like I assume by the end of the thing, hopefully all the people who are like, I'm like, oh, I really like them. But I imagine that's not necessarily our relationships to begin with. Yeah, uh, we're going to chat a little bit as we sit down with everybody. But uh, Apocalypse World as a rule is a game that's really interested in a bunch of characters that do not like each other. Okay. And it, it really supports that. And I am fully prepared for you all not to be uh, like Kumbaya at the commune as we get started. If there is mm -hmm. tension and conflict and there is a real kind of like driving antagonism towards one another as we open, that's perfectly reasonable. And I'm excited to kind of explore that that's where the challenge comes to the kind of master of ceremonies in that case of like okay well how do we do this dance where i can create enough motivation to keep you all moving in the same direction if reluctantly right um and explore the story but to, i think it's a really great way to kind of like segue into talking about the classes a little bit there are not classes in apocalypse mm -hmm. world they call the individual kind of classes as they were playbooks uh okay. and so it's really interesting because each playbook has all the rules you need for that class right printed on one page of paper on your character sheet it's got effectively like all the moves that you'll ever have access to and as you earn experience you're able to kind of unlock them you'll select which ones you want to kind of use but amidst like some of the classes they're very different than the kind of things you would see in DD. but uh the angel the battle babe the brainer the chopper the gun lugger the driver the hard holder the savvy head the skinner the maestro d so they're all like kind of filled different roles in a post-apocalyptic world but the hard holder is essentially like a uh, a person who's in charge of a town right uh the hard holder would be like a governor from from the walking dead right and you could ultimately then have like a uh a kind of chopper is is the head of a biker gang and your session of apocalypse world might be that one person is playing like the biker gang that's rolling mm. in the town for the first time and whoever's playing the hard holder that's like the kind of air quotes mayor of that situation is like not gonna love that right and right. all of a sudden that's why they say to the mc don't make your story 
uh, let your players tell you what the story is. And as you guys kind of develop characters, it creates really interesting and kind of natural conflict points to explore. Uh, like what's precious to you and how can I attack that? Right. Uh, it's so funny so, though. I feel like that's actually super great advice for a D and D dungeon master it as is. well. Yes, because like, is. I, you know, the, I, you know, sometimes you get so hung up on this idea uh, you know, of like, oh, I'm going to run a game and it's going to be about this. And then all of your characters, they they go and they build characters and like you, maybe you didn't give enough information about what you were thinking or the theme. And they're like, you know, I remember this really good example of Brennan Lee Mulligan talking about how his character, he, one of them um, wanted to be um, uh, like a detective. And he's like, well, guess I got to make a mystery in my thing or I'm a really bad dungeon master for not including a mystery for my detective to solve, you know? Yep. And so I think it's like really good advice for like, you know, probably in most games that like, let's see, you obviously want to like, I think there's like broad themes that you can give uh, your, your players that like you're playing with. Like, you know, this is what I'm interested in running generally, you know, like I, I have this, like I, I've for a long time wanted to run, you know, basically stranger things, but set at summer camp. Like, and so like, <laughs> if I give you that like outline, okay, now you go build the characters that you want to build and see what you come up with. And then that will inform the story. And that's how you're going to make a really interesting story. So I really actually like that as like basically a rule of like, yeah, don't plan too much. Cause like, if you plan too much, then like the thing might not like fit the way you want it to fit. Like it might, you know, the puzzle, you might not have all the right puzzle pieces to build what you want to build. It's a tremendous bit of advice, and it really is applicable to any game you're ever going to play. You hear a lot of people talk about session zeros now, but that's the opportunity yeah. to get buy-in, you know. Uh, Nat Colville does a great video, and I've had a very similar real-life experience where you sit down with your friends and are like, okay, we're going to play the Dwarven campaign to return to the ancient Dwarven kingdom. What are yeah. you going to play? And they're like, I'm going to be an elf. I'm going to be a halfling. <laughs> I want to be a human, you know? And, and so, Someone's like, and I'm going to be Officer Buttfart. And you're like, great, yeah, totally ruined exactly. the tone of my game, you know? Exactly. Thanks. So you yeah. want that kind of like buy-in whichever way. And this is a big reminder uh, where this game, unlike Dungeons & Dragons, is not about a big epic hero story right we're not necessarily on a hero's journey here and that being the case they don't want you to get precious about your ideas nothing is precious in apocalypse world this is the fundamental rule right everything can break everything we've taken another really huge and, and kind of defining mechanic about the game is that uh there doesn't have hit points there's a way that we kind of track harm and damage and all this stuff but should you receive enough damage that life becomes untenable. This is precise language, Grace. Uh, then you decide, do you die or are you just changed irrevocably? Mm. So you can literally be playing, let's say, like I watched a game of Apocalypse World once where somebody was playing a driver and they're on a high speed chase on like a mountain road and they fail a roll and the car veers off the cliff cartwheels through the air explodes in a mushroom cloud of flames mm -hmm. and then they came back Ooh, the mushroom cloud are we gonna get many we're gonna get lots of mushroom clouds lots right? of mushrooms lots of, actually yeah. lots of mushrooms and clouds probably uh -huh. and they come crawling out of the fiery wreckage drag themselves back to town and buy a gun and now they're a gun <laughs> you know and they put on a, a like full body yeah. armor and that's it they keep going so it's really interesting in terms of breaking all of these traditional conventions about gaming and storytelling and all this kind of stuff it, it challenges a lot of preconceptions wow that's so interesting i don't know why they get in the fiery uh, wreck why they don't just uh, sleep for eight hours yeah, exactly. They could, I mean, optionally, you could just sleep for eight hours, fully recover, and uh, get your car back, too. Recharge your car on a show at a long rest, yeah. Right. Uh, the stats are really interesting. The stats, unlike strength, dexterity, constitution, here are the stats. Cool. 
hard, hot, sharp, and weird. Those are your stats, Grace. The last you said weird. I'm just, you're kind of describing the previous stats, but no, that is one of them. Yeah. That is cool, hard, hot, sharp, bad. weird. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. I mean, they have descriptions here. Cool. Do something under fire. That's yeah. That makes, yeah. Makes sense. Hard. Go aggro. Do battle. Hot. Seduce or manipulate. I don't know how much seducing I'm going to do. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, you could be very yeah. manipulative. <laughs> it's yeah. all very interesting, right? And like yeah. automatically you could tell from the language there is a theme to the game of Apocalypse World that it wants to play with those elements of like, you know, uh, drug, sex, and rock and roll, baby. Yeah. It's supposed to be a little edgy and a little taboo and a little exciting because of all that. But really interesting, right? This There's, whole dynamic like yeah. with the relationships with the characters, when you look on any one of these given character sheets, your, your playlist here, it shows you at the end at the beginning of the game go around and ask everybody one of these questions which one of you once left me bleeding and did nothing for me right oh. that's how you develop your relationships with the other characters at the beginning of the game you just are going to decide which one of the other players you're going to ask or and one of them then will volunteer i left you i abandoned you and your fiery wreck off of the side of the mountain right mm -hmm. and so it like it's in instantly just kind of setting you up to come into that non kind of typical dynamic of we are not all friends at the beginning uh yeah also you mean talking about being edgy and cool there are many rules in this game rich that i cannot repeat on a podcast oh <laughs> yeah a lot of f just mostly the f the f word mostly, uh so. it's a very adult themed game the mm -hmm. language is very uh is written to be uh as if you were having brunch with your most inappropriate friend uh <laughs> it's it's very inflammatory it is very bombastic it is very over the top and it does so intentionally right so we're gonna kind of sort through the chaff and i think that between we'll psrify we'll it you know right yeah. we'll be able mm -hmm. to come up with a uh, a pretty well-produced product by the end that's really it grace i just wanted to talk to you a little bit and kind yeah. of give Give folks an idea of what we're going to do, uh, talk through some of the changes before we go into it, and then we'll dive in just like we did last time. We're going to play for a couple hours. I will edit it up, and the next time you hear us here will be us diving directly into adventure in the, the world of The Last of Us. Very fun. I'm looking forward to it. I always like being, uh, you know, if you're if you're the master of ceremonies, I feel like it's going to be a good ceremony, Rich. So, um, well, I am excited. Thank you for that, Grace. Thank you so much for joining me to talk through this. What do you got going on yeah. in the world? Oh, you know, covering The Last of Us. So uh, much the stuff. Yeah, the recaps with Mike Bloom and, and Video Game Club with Taryn. Doing a daily succession podcast uh, with, with Ariel and guests along the way. Uh, also doing daily Oscars uh, uh, podcast. Sorry, did I say with Ariel? I so I mixed up my daily uh, my daily watch pods, which is Succession with Josh and Jess, and then a daily Oscars pod with Ariel and guests along the way. So I, I just was getting up. excited. I thought there was another success daily Succession. Yeah, I wanted two Succession Ariel. daily pods. Yeah, <laughs> you and I are covering a Dark with Ariel. Ariel, I do a regular movie coverage. Anything I'm doing, I'm on Twitter at High From Grace. You can check it out. Cool. Uh, I'm at DM Philly. My DMs are open. Hit me up. I'm a professional dungeon master and master of ceremonies for Apocalypse World. If this sounds interesting to you, uh, PSRPGs will be back. We're taking a week off. We will be dark, but we will return with the first episode proper. Uh, the Mandalorian is back on the air. I too mm -hmm. am talking about Pedro Pascal taking care of a That's young, right. adorable person uh, with Mike Bloom. Brendan Fitzpatrick and I got together and, and did a feedback show towards the end of the week. Uh, you can catch me streaming the Dungeons and Dragons over at twitch.tv slash DM Philly. Thank you so much for joining us. The next time you hear us, it's going to be bad, you guys. Bye-bye.